What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Okay, today is going to be like, get your ears ready, you guys, for just like the most... I don't even know the word to use, like just amazing, incredible episode. I have a magician, hypnotist. Um, he's a brain hacker. Uh, he's just like literally just the coolest guy. I have Keith Barry on today, you guys, and it's kind of a longer episode, but I promise you every single minute is so damn worth it. I would not steer you wrong. So I am going to just get right into it because he's just awesome. That's all I got to say. So hang tight. This guy's been on Conan. He's been on Ellen. He has had several TV shows of his own. Like he's just, a, just here we go. All right. All right. All right. Welcome back. I have a really exciting guest today. I have Keith Barry on the podcast. You guys, Keith, when I tell you I have gone down like on the internet, like a Keith Barry wormhole. Okay. <laughs> and it is quite a wormhole at this stage. I am such a fan of yours, like learning all that you do. And like, I really truly am. I've just become such a fan. So you are a brain hacker. You are a magician. You are a hypnotist. You are so many things. Um, I feel like it's so hard to even pinpoint where to begin. Um, But I just absolutely adore everything that I've read about you and what you do. And so I'm just excited to share your, if you will, magic uh, with our listeners. So so thanks for being here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And sometimes that's a problem, right? Sometimes people are confused by my brand and we can talk about that as well uh, in a few moments time. But yeah, let's talk about uh, whatever you want to talk about. I'm an open book. Okay, great. Speaking of book, uh, books, you have one that's coming out or is actually out right now. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's it's on pre-order here in Ireland, but it's uh, so it seems that uh, the folks over there in the US and of course worldwide, you can get it on the book depository right now. We just figured that out a few moments ago. So yeah, it's called Brain Hacks. Um, you know, I wrote it during COVID, but it wasn't because of COVID that I wrote it. It was literally because it was just kind of time. So it was kind of time for me anyway to write the book. Um, so yeah, it's a self-help book and it's really about, you know, I suppose living from a magical mindset and living a positive mindset and life. And that's really what the book is about and sharing tools and techniques that I've learned and, and used on my clients for the past 15 or 20 years. And you can learn them now yourself through brain hacks. I love, I love, I love. And what exactly is a brain hacker? Cause that's like, we are self dubbed as a brain hacker. Like how did you figure all of this stuff out? And, and, and you're so in line with, uh, the things that I talk about on this podcast all the time, which is like, I'm a mindset coach myself and I'm so like nerd out on this stuff. So, you know, how do you, how do you hack the brain? Yeah, so I'm the same. I'm a complete nerd. I am surrounded by books. If I was to turn my laptop around now, it's all plugged and wired in, so I can't. But I literally have just hundreds of books everywhere, and that's in my virtual studio alone. Then I've got another office in there, which is packed full of books. So my my dream one day is when I eventually move houses, just to have a giant library 
that's it. So, uh, but to get back to your question, what is a brain hacker? Well, I suppose to start at the start briefly, like I started as a magician. Um, then quickly after that, I started to learn hypnosis. Uh, then shortly after that, I went to college and studied science. And when I was studying science, my girlfriend at the time was my wife. Now she was studying psychology. So I grabbed all of her psychology books and started to read those. And using all of those different techniques that I was learning through all of the different skill sets, you know, I figured out that it was possible to read people's body language, to read their nonverbal cues to such an extent that you can tell them about specific thoughts in specific moments in time and make it look like you can hack their brains. Now, that's for entertainment, of course. But then separate from that, I do use hypnosis and NLP to shift people's mindset, hack their brain, show them how they can rewire the neurology of their own brain in order to achieve otherwise impossible things. And that to me is what a brain hacker is. It's somebody who can get in there, retweak, rewire what's going on inside the brain and ultimately help people achieve the impossible or in the course of entertainment, make it look like I can pluck thoughts out of your mind. That is pretty damn cool. Um, I've watched some things on your Instagram um, recently about, you know, just you basically reading people's minds. And you've also been on Conan and you've been on Ellen several times now. Uh, yeah. And like you read you, I've see, watched you read Ellen's mind. Um, just just so many cool things. So you started out doing magic, as you said, as a kid. Uh, and like what drew you to magic and ultimately why because you're a household name over in Ireland as well and and a big and a lot of people know you here in the states as well so you know what drew you to magic as a kid and why do you think that you've been able to become as successful as you are in such a niche space yeah it's an interesting question so first of all just like your producer Sean which we found out uh, just a few moments ago I got a magic set when I was a kid right so I got a magic set when I was five or six uh, which isn't up on my Wikipedia page, by the way. So this is the true story that's kind of unheard a little bit. I got a magic set when I was five or six. It was a Paul Daniels magic set. So Paul Daniels here, I guess, would have been like, you might not even know these guys, but over there, back in the day, there was like Harry Blackstone Jr. and Doug Henning. They were kind of just before Copperfield. So if you can imagine that the equivalent of them over here in Europe would have been this guy, Paul Daniels. So I got a Paul Daniels magic set and ultimately learned every trick out of that set. And then every year after that, at Christmas time, I would get a magic set. So I always had that interest from five years of age. But then it was kind of when I was 14 that I bought a book called The Klutz Book of Magic, which I think you can still get. And there was like five props in that book. And I learned every single trick out of that book. Um, and then it just it really inspired me just to jump into magic full time. Now, of course, at that time, my parents were like, look, magic is great as a hobby. So keep doing it as a hobby, but you're not going into it full time. So um, they were very supportive, but they were just, I suppose, concerned uh, that, you know, it'd be too difficult to make magic as a full time job. But when I was 14, I started to perform straight away out in the public eye and I would do everything. So I was doing kids parties. I was doing close-up magic, going from table to table in restaurants. Um, and then all the time behind the scenes, I was studying the hypnosis and the NLP and all that kind of stuff. And I started that from around 14 years of age. And I suppose, you know, to get success in any niche, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to two things. I think you have to have a talent for your passion. Whatever that passion is, you know, you've got to have uh, a talent for that passion. Now that talent in some instances, has to come naturally. So in other words, I can't sing. I have a note in my head. And even if I went to vocal training, I would probably become a less than average singer at best, right? Like I'm a terrible singer. Uh, my wife, my kids tell me that often enough that I, I know I'm a terrible singer, right? So 
I think it's important that you find something that you at least have some kind of talent for. You don't have to have the best talent, but you have to be talented at that. And that, of course, then comes with practice rehearsal and so on. But then for me, it's graft work, right? So everybody I talk to over here who's successful in their niche, people have no comprehension of the amount of work that they put in. So I talk to a lot of the the influencers over here. So, you know, uh, Pippo O'Connor is a huge influencer here in Ireland, Neve Cullen, all of these different influencers. And people don't realize, like, these girls, these guys, they put in, you know, 17, 18 hour days regularly. And I'm the same. So for the past, um, I'm in the game full-time now since I'm 23, so 22 years. And in the past 22 years, my regular average working day is... 14 to 16 hours, but the majority of the time, it, it can go up from that a lot of the time as well. So like it can go up to 18, 20 hours a day. Um, but I don't feel that because I love it so much. Uh, but I split that time then. People forget it's show business, right? In my world, it's show business. So there's the show aspect over here where I've got to look after all the creative. I've got to come up with show ideas. I've got to write books and all the rest. But then over here, there is the businessman in me. So I've got to ensure that there's income coming in, different income streams. And that's where we can talk about the fact that sometimes people get confused by my brand, but that's almost by design. Um, and that's where people think, you know, I've had a lot of brand experts come to me and say, yeah, you know, Keith, you need to really streamline your brand. It's quite confusing. And, and I wholeheartedly disagree with them because I study the old mindset guys. So, you know, you're a mindset coach, but for me, I really study the old uh, mindset people of the past, and I really believe in their strategies. So, for example, Napoleon Hill, uh, Brian Tracy, uh, Les Brown, all these people I study. And if you look at a strand through them, they all say, they all say, you shouldn't just do one thing very well. You should do multiple things very well. So then if you have a problem in one area, well, then you've got four other areas that will carry you through. If you have a problem in two areas, three other areas will carry you through. So COVID is a perfect example of that. Live entertainment got pulled out, gone, destroyed, uh, here in Ireland at least. Like We're slowly starting to come back now, but bearing in mind this is almost two years later. So the majority of my colleagues and contemporaries, they folded the cards straight away. They just took you know, social welfare um, and kind of cut the grass, painted the fences. And if they were singers, they wrote songs. And if they were creatives like me, they wrote shows, but they had no income stream. So cut to two years later, they're struggling. They're struggling a lot. But for me, because I have five different brands going simultaneously, because live entertainment got taken away, and then my one-to-one -one live coaching got taken away, that was okay because I still had three different strands going. Um, and I think that's very key. I think that's very key to a successful person. You've got to be like, I, I see myself like a chameleon, right? I see myself having the ability to shape shift depending on where the world is going. And, and I'm very flexible like that. So I don't mind if we have another lockdown. I don't mind if things happen outside of my control because I can only control what goes on inside here and how I respond and react to the environmental changes that happen. Um, and for me, the wrong response is to get angry and depressed and anxious and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can do that, but it's not going to serve you. So for me, I choose to take actions that are necessary to survive in these times and not only survive, but ultimately thrive. I love all of that. And I am I am most definitely on the old school wave of thought as well. I mean, I I think I, I confuse myself sometimes with all of the different things that I'm doing. You know, I'm a soul cycle instructor. I'm a mindset coach. I'm a podcast host. I yeah. am an Under Armour athlete. Um, I'm a meditation teacher. I'm a breathwork teacher. Like, Great. it's a lot of it. I... 
right? It's a lot of I ams. Um, But I really wouldn't, I really wouldn't do it any other way because yes, I can pull one of those things off the table and I can still survive. I can still eat. I can still, you know, do all the things. And I, and I love all the things that I do. And, um, while yes, it's very stressful sometimes. And there's like a filing, I always say like, there's like a filing cabinet in my brain. Then sometimes it's not quite, um, in order. Uh, but it's, 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 it's nice to have all of those different kinds of things. Um, there's, there's so much to unpack with, with what you said, but, uh, I think that's, that's a true you know, testament to success in, in different human beings and, and being able to pivot, you know, because the world is it's not just something that we say, you know, as like, oh, what if the world closed tomorrow? Like, well, it actually happened, you know, and so yep. you figured it out and you were able to do that. Yeah, but I think like if you pick one thing to unpack, OK, that you said, actually. Right. So you said a lot of different things there about what you do. And I think it's so interesting. See, I, I think sometimes Okay, like let's call a spade a spade, as we say here in Ireland, right? You're probably you're a high achiever in, in what you do because you do so many different things, right? So and you're successful at all those different things. But people don't understand that that's because you wake up in the morning, you attack every. I don't even know you, right? But I know you attack every day. I can tell every day with energy, positivity. But that doesn't mean you don't have bad days. That's where sometimes people I think get confused because we've got oh, so many Instagrammers in our world, right? In the mindset world, in the mind coaching world, in the executive coaching world. Going, hey, everybody, this is so-and-so. And today you got to cut. And, and, and it's real in your face. And it's all this kind of stuff. And then ultimately, those people aren't even earning a living, right? So they're they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook. They're not really earning a living. A lot of them, some of the bigger people then, you know, they're really doing it just to push like a seminar down the line. So send out a free ebook, capture all the email addresses, sell a seminar. That's all fine, right? But that's not where I come from. So to loop it back, though, you know, I'm a big fan of breath work. So I discovered Wim Hof way back years ago before anybody knew who Wim was, right? So I was kind of one of the first kind of proponents of Wim Hof, if you like. Um, I, I, you know I'm talking about when Wim Hof, yeah, first, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so, so anybody who's listening who isn't familiar with Wim Hof, he's known as the Iceman. He's a bit crazy. But if you look at the science behind it, his breath work um, shows. It shows that if you use his breath work, it is uh, good to boost your immune system. It's certainly amazing for your mental health. And, and if you unpack that for half a second, Like there's so many companies that I'm dealing with right now, like large multinational companies where I'm brought in to assist them with people on stress leave. So this is a huge thing worldwide right now, right? So these companies are losing people to stress leave day in, day out. And and I walk into these people, I say, okay, so is your diet in place right now? Like, have you have you examined your diet? The answer is invariably no. Have you have you stopped drinking alcohol? Uh, No. Have you, are you taking uh, medication that perhaps you shouldn't be taking? Maybe. Are you taking any kind of illegal substances? Some people, yes. Some people, not. Um, you know, are you overeating? Are you, and, and invariably, the people on stress leave, they've got zero habits in place, like almost no habits in place to help them cope with the stress that they're under. So therefore, I say to them, well, before you go down the route of, you know, medication or going to your doctor or any of that kind of stuff, which obviously some people do need, but ultimately, before you even go down that route, you got to get all these other things in place first. Um, and one of the big things I think is breath work. If people just looked at the science behind breath work, because I'm always science based, right? Because there is a lot of bullshit out there. Let's be honest about this, right? So, um, yeah. and there's a lot of pseudoscience out there. But for me, I always examine the papers, I examine the science, and then I make a decision. So my decision was to go over and examine Wim Hof myself. So I went over to London to one of his seminars one time, and it was just amazing. It was phenomenal. So like, you know, just to loop back to it, you know, if 
people took one thing from today, I'd say just examine breath work. You know, talk to you about it, examine it themselves on the internet, whatever they need to do. Uh, but it's such an amazing thing uh, to be able to use in order to alleviate stress in your life, you know? It absolutely is. It's incredible at alleviating stress. And it's also, you know, people don't realize because I think there's still such a stigma around this kind of healing um, that trauma lives in the body, like in our tissues and in our cells. And like, you know, this is like potentially like a car accident that you were in, you know, seven years ago or whatever it was, and you think you're over it and you're fine. And then you get into a breathwork session and something might come to the surface, you know, that you that you didn't even ever even think about um, on the day of this car accident or whatever this traumatic event might have been in your life. And you didn't even realize that you were actually holding on to all of this stress and we carry all this around. Um, And so I think breathwork is such an incredibly beautiful way to create space in our minds and in our bodies, um, space for more beautiful things to enter. And and in that space, you just, you you release so much. Um, And so it's it's possible to feel lighter yet so much stronger at the same exact time. Um, And it's incredibly healing, incredibly healing breathwork is. Yeah. And and for me, that's part of brain hacking, right? Because even in that moment, you're hacking into your own neurology in that moment. So I couple my breathwork so when I do it, I couple my breath work with, uh, you know, call it creative visualization, I suppose, for the easiest concept to, to be put across. Um, and I talk about this in the book. So, for example, in the book, I have loads of techniques. Involved. I have my own breathing technique that I sometimes use. And I love to change it. It's like a workout, right? So you're not going to do a bench press day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. I find that boring. So for me, I created my own breath work. I've got like the 636 technique that I like to use, which is inhale for six seconds, hold for three, exhale for six. I've also got my infinity breathing technique where if you're in a really stressful situation, you're better to have a panic attack, right? Um, I love to just trace a figure of eight on the back of my hand, or in some cases, if if I'm around people and I'm feeling panicky, I'll do it in my pocket so people don't even notice, or I'll do it in my back pocket, um, and just trace that figure of eight. So I breathe in for the loop of eight, and then exhale for the loop of eight. Breathe in for the loop of eight, I exhale for the loop of eight. And, and again, that just settles the autonomic nervous system. It settles the neurology, the brain, and just allows that anxiety to decrease. So I, I use all of these techniques, for example, before I go on stage, in front of one and a half thousand people at a time, or whatever it is um and these techniques really work that's what people need to realize like if they take the time to study uh, that's what i say to people like don't bother buying a book like this if you're just going to read it okay it's not you know buy a fiction book if you want to read a fiction book <laughs> you know what i mean right um, you're not going to buy the practices and actually yeah, you got to study these things take a pen and destroy the book and circle in big red what you like put a big x through what you don't like um so like i just finished reading an amazing book called the choice by edith eager an amazing lady she's i think um 94 or something now she's up on instagram weirdly enough um amazing so obviously uh, I'm assuming she's got a couple of people looking after that for her, but like she's obviously very happy to do it because they got some beautiful photographs of her. But she was in Auschwitz, and you know the the choice is about the fact that even in those crazy, crazy, horrible, disgusting circumstances, that you still have a choice in your brain how to react and respond. And for somebody like that to talk about that, um, it really resonated with me actually. And there was a great quote that I just instantaneously memorized from the book. Uh, and it was like escape the concentration camp of your own mind i love oh, that wow. And, wow. and for me that really really resonated with me and that's i guess what i try and help people to do i try and help them to escape 
you know, any crazy thoughts that they might have, any thoughts that are detrimental to themselves, any habits that are bad. And here's the weird thing. With some people, you can do it instantaneously. With other people, it does say take some time. But I don't think people out there realize that they can make effective, quick, permanent change um, quite quickly, actually, you know, if they apply the techniques properly, you know. Right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's we can become prisoners of our own minds, all of us. Yeah. And, you know, escaping that the way that you escape straight jackets uh, hanging yeah, yeah. from buildings. <laughs> yeah, um, I do that too. And, and unfortunately, like people sometimes think that that stuff, you know, oh, I bet there's so many safety aspects. I mean, a colleague of mine, I don't know him. Uh, we have interacted once or twice, uh, but a very respected colleague in the escapology world uh, just had a big accident the other day. Um, on AGT Extreme Edition. So they were doing an Extreme Edition of AGT. Jonathan Goodwin is his name. uh, And unfortunately, he's got some pretty severe injuries as a result of an upside-down straitjacket gone wrong where two cars came swinging in and he was supposed to escape before they hit him. And unfortunately, he did get hit. Uh, And it wasn't just for the show. He's in ICU hospital right now. Um, I don't know the extent of his injuries, but like he's got like leg injuries and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when it comes to the escapology and the escape stuff, like I've done some crazy stuff in the past. And when I when I hear of an accident like that, it really brings home the reality of it all to me that I've got like two kids and I don't want to go out like that, you know? Yeah, that's that was going to be my next question. How does your wife and your two kids feel about that? But you but. You know, because you don't, you didn't specialize, which I've had people, just to go back to what you said prior, um, I had recently um, a mental performance coach. She recently worked for um, the Yankees uh, as a mental performance coach. And, you know, I was asking her specifically about this. I can't remember the name of the book right now. It has one word. Maybe you know it. Um, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyways, um, I'll have to post it on Instagram for those listening once I remember it. But anyways, there's a title or a chapter in the book about, you know, Tiger Woods and how like he, you know, Tiger moms and specializing in one sport. And so like that has like taken hold, right? And like completely like everyone, like so many parents all over the world are like, oh, okay, this worked for Tiger Woods. Like we should do this with our kid. And like the whole, the whole book is about like, you know, really how specializing too soon and choosing just one thing. Um, you want to have your hands in many different kind of modalities and, and, and it actually just makes you stronger in each of those things. And so I don't know if that's the case with with this guy but um with you especially i was just going back to what you said previously you know you can kind of maybe now in your career at a place where you can maybe pull back from those things so well, your wife and kids can sleep at night because, like <laughs> in my uh in my next live show like i've purposely not put in any danger activity into it uh, i don't know if that's a conscious choice for that very reason um you know i made that decision before like for example jonathan goodwin had had his accident but like I think it's so stressful on the body. People don't realize like, you know, in one of my live tours every single night, I would have to hold my breath for a minimum two and a half minutes, but sometimes up to four minutes underwater. And, and I'm trying to escape all these shackles and chains and all the rest of this kind of stuff. Uh, and ultimately, you know, your whole concept when you're in that bubble, right? When you're in that body of water is, you know, what if I can't get one of these locks off? You know, what if a chain just gets stuck, right? And people would think, oh, you've got to have some safety aspects. Well, I tell you, we didn't have a bolt cutters 
with us every night. So I'm not even sure what we would have done. Yes, I have safety aspects to play. Yes, we've got protocols in play. I'm not stupid, right? But, you know, neither was my colleague Jonathan Goodwin. He would have had safety aspects in play and so on. So things can unfortunately go wrong. You can sometimes have accidents and just unforeseen circumstances. But for me now, my body is so beaten up after all of these years. I think that's why I'm kind of taking a step back. Like I've got so many injuries that I don't really talk about, not because I don't want to talk about them, but just nobody's really ever asked. But like I've, I'm covered in injuries uh, and my body's kind of hurting. So uh, I'm on a kind of a healing journey now where I'm just trying to heal all of my different injuries as opposed to exacerbate them by doing more of the escapology things. And I think also for me, you know, I think people like to see different things uh, year in, year out here. So sometimes I'll just do magic. Other times I'll do hypnosis. Other times I'll do the escapology. And this year, you know, I'm kind of doing uh, mainly mentalism and a little bit of hypnosis. Uh, and then just the, the essence of the show is called, you know, reconnected. And it's about reconnecting the audience as human beings. So I have them, for example, reading each other's minds at one point in the show, which is crazy. Nobody's ever done it before. And I figured out a way to do it. So literally, people are going to be hacking into each other's brains in the audience. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just about trying to be original every year, uh, which is difficult here because, like, you know, this is probably my 22nd year touring in Ireland. So you got to dig deep every year. But luckily, the, the show is now written. So I can't wait to get back on the road, you know. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I'm like, I need to book a flight. I got to get to Ireland. I got to come. I got to come uh, see yeah. you perform in Ireland. How cool would that be? excuse to come have a point to Guinness, right? Hey, exactly. I don't need an excuse for that. Um, I love it. I love it. I mean, I my brain is just like going in a million different directions because like I said, I went into like a huge Keith Berry uh, wormhole and there's so many things that I want to ask you. I mean, I want to dive into um, into hypnosis. And then I also then next up from there, I'd love to talk about kind of your mindset coaches. I know coaching because I know you work with a lot of CEOs and athletes, but um, so particularly with hypnosis. Some people believe in it. Some people don't believe in it. Some people are kind of indifferent towards it because they're just like, sure. I don't even know what the heck that is. Um, but I read or, or heard or something that you hypnotized your wife during her pregnancy and she used no painkillers and yep. had one of your children. So like, let's talk about hypnosis. Uh, let's just dive into that a little bit. Yeah, look, hypnosis is really putting people into a form of trance. And we're all going in that at different forms of trances all day long, you know. And, and you know, I, I, when we hear about people, oh, you know, I don't believe in hypnosis. Like, this sounds rude, sounds facetious, but I just don't care anymore. Like, I, years ago, I used to care. I was like, I don't care if you believe or don't believe. That's your own opinion. Like, it's science-based now. See, again, I just go back to the science, right? Like, over there, not here in, in Ireland, but over there in the US, like they're performing open heart surgery on people who are like, um, you know, I guess allergic to the anesthetics and stuff, open heart surgery using just hypnosis as wow. the form. So they're sawing through like the sternum as the person, the hypnotized person is talking back to the hypnotist, right? Crazy stuff. And uh, and there was a, um, just a famous singer not that long ago, maybe I'm going to guess a year ago, it was in the press over here. You could probably find it pretty quick, actually, put up a link to it. Um, it was a news story about, a, I think it was a French singer, an opera singer, and she had nodules on, on her, like, somewhere in her larynx or whatever. Uh, but they were frightened of damaging her vocal cords while they were operating. So they decided to use hypnosis so that she could sing during the operation back to them to make sure that they weren't cutting the wrong pieces or whatever it was. Uh, but ultimately, she got her throat operated on using just hypnosis as the pain management. So really, hypnosis is 
you know, hacking into the subconscious mind, whether you're hacking into it yourself, so self-hypnotizing, or whether you're allowing a hypnotist to do that for you. For stage hypnosis, right? This is where people get confused, right? So stage hypnosis, there's a whole load of things going on there. There's a whole load of things going on. So I'll give you my exact breakdown on stage hypnosis, and then I'll tell you my opinion on clinical hypnosis. So, and that's where people get confused. So I'm here to try try and help clarify, right? So stage hypnosis, you know, I'm on stage in front of one and a half thousand people. I have to put on an entertaining show. So I give what I call susceptibility tests, which are basically testing the audience to see who might be susceptible to hypnosis. And I'm watching for who's good at those, right? Then I'll take up maybe, we'll just say 30 of those people, okay? Now I'll go through an induction process, which is talking them down into that sleep-like state. And really, I need them into quite a deep sleep-like state in order to get them to comply to whatever suggestions that I have for them. So I'm watching people as they're going into hypnosis. I'm giving them that induction. We put on some uh, binaural beats, which are designed to allow people to enter into that you know, alpha brainwave state. And ultimately, okay. then, uh, when I put them all to sleep, we've got 30 people. When I wake them up and give them a suggestion, whatever that suggestion is, it could be anything. But ultimately, I'm now watching for the people I believe are acting, right? Because there's going to be people who are acting who aren't in hypnosis. And I strike them off the stage straight away. So that could be like 10 people. I get rid of them straight away because I can spot them. I can spot who's acting. Now, here's the interesting thing. You won't hear a lot of hypnotists tell you this. Now, out of the 20 people that are on stage, I believe that 10 of them, roughly speaking, are in deep hypnosis. So in other words, they're really, truly hypnotized and will take on any suggestion that I give them. And probably one out of those 10 will take on a suggestion that is against their morals and their values. Most hypnotists won't tell you that, right? So, but from all the stuff that I've done over the years and all the different things I've done, that's my true belief, is that I believe one of those 10 of the truly hypnotized subjects, I can get to do anything. Like I could turn that person into a sleep rage pretty quickly if I wanted to, right? So then the other 10 people, they're in... I wouldn't say hypnosis, but they're convinced that they're in hypnosis themselves. In other words, they believe they're hypnotized. So, mm. and because they look hypnotized to the audience, I'll just leave them on the stage for the most part to have an entertaining show. Now, throughout the night, I might strike a few of them off if I feel like they're not behaving good enough to convince the audience that they're hypnotized. So I might strike five off, but now I've got 15 people, 10 of which are fully hypnotized and five of which, you know, they're behaving good enough and they're convinced themselves, so they're not really acting per se, they're convinced themselves. They're almost like a shut-eye psyche. They really believe that they're hypnotized. So that's stage hypnosis, and that comes down to also two things, the skill set of the hypnotist to really hypnotize them, and then also people, when they come up on stage, they're making a subconscious contract, if you like, between the hypnotist and them, that they're going to comply in front of one and a half thousand people, and that they want to comply and they want to become the stars of the show. So that's stage okay. hypnosis. Now, when it comes to clinical hypnosis, that's a whole other other thing because you really need and want to get people into an altered state of mind. So you got to get them into really deep trance. So therefore, the induction period is going to be much longer. The testing period is going to be longer too, and then whatever it is that you need to change or alter, they're the suggestions that a skilled hypnotist need to come up with on the spot because here's the thing an unskilled hypnotist will learn script right there's loads of scripts that you can get that are just mm. like you know imagine yourself walking down a path and you can choose that's similar left, to meditation if you're like i'm a meditation teacher and you can read a meditation script but i don't read script i just like i i, I just kind of just do it i don't know yeah you got to learn the scripts perhaps Early in your career, you got to learn the script so you kind of have an idea what you're doing. But then after that, you got to very quickly 
design your own scripts. And that only comes, I believe, really with, you know, true experience in the craft, whether that's meditation or in my case, hypnosis. So, so yeah, so some of the crazy things I've done over the years, like I've done a lot of stuff. Like I took <laughs> 10 people with a real, like real fear of flying to the extent that one had been in a plane crash. Her dad was a pilot and he crashed the plane. Um, another person hadn't flown in 22 years. Another person is, uh, brother had died in 9-11 and he hadn't flown since 9-11, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I took 10 of those people with that level of fear, hypnotized them. And then within a day, they were all on a small little uh, airplane that everybody's kind of frightened. I've had them on a small little like 30 seater airplane and we flew them over and back to Wales and they were absolutely fine. And then, yeah, just, I suppose, nine years ago, well, actually 13 years ago, Mairead, my wife, she had her daughter, Brianna, and that was just a horrific birth for both of them. Um, and Brianna was injured and that she's fine now, but it was a whole thing. And, uh, and Mairead just had an awful experience. So when it was coming up to our son, Brayden, being born, she said, I really don't have to go through the same kind of experience. And, and I don't really want the epidural because it didn't work the last time. And the gas just made me feel woozy. So I, I, I said it on a whim. I'm going to be honest with this. I did say it on a whim. I was just like, well, look, I hypnotize all these other people for all this other stuff. And, they, and it works on them all. So I'll just hypnobirth you because hypnobirthing is actually a real thing. Right. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah. Um, and honestly, it was probably one of the more stupid things that I said, because if it, <laughs> you know, if it didn't work, like that's my wife, right? So if it doesn't work, it's like, that's a big issue right there. So anyway, we did it. So for about, I'm going to say four weeks in the run up to the birth, uh, I hypnotize her every night at home. And really it's about pain management, right? So it's about at a, when your pain gets to a 10 out of 10 in your mind to teach her how to dial that pain down to a manageable level of pain. You'll never get the pain to fully go away at birth, but it's to get that pain down to, if it's a 10, down to a two or a three where it's manageable. So that's what hypnobirthing is with regards to you know, pain management. And then, yeah, we did it on Braden, and she's a big proponent now of hypnobirthing because it worked brilliantly. No epidural, no gas, um, and just me talking to her uh, through the birth, which was fantastic. Now, listen, when the head is coming out, and it's a 10 pound for a baby. That's when I just turned into husband mode. I was like, come on, push, you're there now. It's no more hypnosis. Let's go, wakey, wakey, push. And, uh, so you got this. Crazy. Yeah, you got this. I just turned into a husband then. Um, but listen, I, I, I've, I don't talk about this very much, but like, I'm only mentioning it now because I think people need to realize, realize that there's always hope, no matter what detrimental situation that you're in. So like, you know, I've helped people who've had shotguns in their mouths and I've taught them using hypnosis out of doing that and then rewired their brain. So they've gone from suicidal, a suicidal moment all the way through to having a fantastic life. And then 20 years later, ring me and saying, my life is still fantastic, Keith. Um, wow. Right through to people who've had eating disorders, um, all that kind of stuff. So for me, yeah, again, just to go back to it though, hypnosis is hacking that subconscious brain. And here's the thing, your listeners, if I asked... All of your listeners right now, what do you know about the subconscious brain? I'm telling you now, 99.9% .9 of your listeners will know nothing. But isn't that crazy? If you think it about it. It is crazy. Because like your subconscious brain regulates your autonomic nervous system, your heart rate, your blood flow, your breathing, going to the bathroom. Um, but that's also where your stress lies, your anxiety lies. And everybody owes it to themselves to at least understand it on some level, some capacity, and then decide whether they want to use uh, tools and techniques to hack it. Um, but I think it should be spoken about a lot more. Like in other words, I almost think, you know, in schools, yeah, we need 
to talk about mental health and we need to give them tools and techniques. But I also think it also almost should be mandatory that they learn about what's the difference between a conscious thought and a subconscious thought. Yeah, because we all get kind of weird subconscious thoughts uh, and kids need to know that's okay. That's okay. You know, we get these external thoughts that come into our brain sometimes uh, and you got to just, they're just fleeting thoughts. You got to let those go. Um, but kids don't know this stuff. Now my kids do, you know, but the majority of kids don't know. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and with hypnosis again, just to finish it up, like our daughter, when she was younger, she was having problems sleeping. And I said to her, look, would you like me to just hypnotize you? And then for about a year, I would hypnotize her to sleep every night, which some people said to me, isn't that a bit weird? I was like, no, she's going into the most relaxed, deep sleep ever with no worries, no fears in her brain, just by listening to her dad's voice. It's actually a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. Um, and she doesn't need to do it now. She just like, now she's like a 13 year old teenager. She's like, close the door. I don't need any light. Close the door. And then, right. bye, good night. Yeah, so it's great. Wow. I'm so, so this, I'm so intrigued. This is all so incredible. Um, so I guess just to shift, shift gears from hypnosis. Um, but thank you for sharing all of that and how freaking cool I ramble, is that? So like, sorry, feel free to cut me off at any time. So no, no, no. I'm already like, oh my gosh, I need to have you back on for another episode already. I'm like, oh my God. But I want to talk about you being a mindset coach as well. And the athletes that you coach and the CEOs that you coach and, you know, high level successful people. Um, so really my question is around that is, is to be more broad, I suppose, but, um, what's something that everyone struggles with across the board, um, oh, that you hear coming up over and over again, um, no matter how highly successful these people are and, and how do you coach them through that thing that everybody has? Yeah, I know exactly what it is straight away because I've noticed it. Um, so yeah, I deal with a lot of high net worth individuals, CEOs, uh, I deal with a lot of athletes. So yeah, Rory Best and Keith Earls, which, you know, are two amazing rugby players. Uh, Rory's, Rory was our Irish rugby captain. He's now retired. Keith is still playing. Um, and ultimately what I have noticed is all of them and all of the clients, not just them, all of the clients that I've dealt with over all the years, they all suffer from the imposter syndrome, all of them. So they all, yeah, you know what I mean? So they all- If I had to like, guess, I was going to guess that, to be honest, but- I'd yeah, they, they all think they're going to get caught out someday, that they're not as good as what people perceive them to be. Um, and I think what's interesting is everybody suffers from it. Like everybody, I suffer from it. Um, you know, I, I bet you suffer from it. Like everybody, or at least has at some point. Like I'm not suffering from it this week. I haven't suffered from it a long time. But then there might be some weeks where I've got like just an overwhelming volume of work and a diverse volume of work. So I could be doing like a virtual entertainment show one night, and then I'll be doing a virtual entertainment show the next night for a pre-existing client where they need all new material. Then I might be doing a coaching session with an athlete over here where I have to do masses of research for him or her. Then over here, it could be coaching like an executive who needs like, literally I do some crazy stuff, right? So I, I teach executives how to read a room in a meeting. So in other words, how to, uh, mirror people, model them, how to manage that meeting, how to spot who the liars are, all this kind of stuff. But then when you have that volume of work going on, it's like, oh my God, have I taken on too much? Uh, uh, like, am I going to get caught out here? And then, But then you have to take a step back and go, no, I actually know all these people. 
things inside out. So I just got to structure my mind in such a way that, you know, it's actually okay to feel like an imposter for a moment. Then you got to snap out of that, you got to squash that down, move it off into the distance and magnify the fact that you're a confident individual who knows their craft or knows their art form or knows their content. And that's the important thing that I do actually know my content. Um, so yeah, the imposter syndrome is what I've noticed. And I, and I teach people how to squash that thought down and move it off into the distance and then swish in. Uh, swishing is like a, you know, I suppose a, a, a pattern uh, technique that we use as NLP or as neuro-linguistic programming. So swish patterns whereby you replace whatever that thought is with another more productive thought. That's probably the easiest way to put it for your listeners. So uh, so when somebody's feeling like an imposter in a meeting, for example, the first thing I do is allow yourself the knowledge and the understanding that the person that you're talking to most likely either is or has felt like an imposter themselves at some stage in their life. So when you're looking at them, if you know that, then you feel a little bit better in that moment. And then secondarily, you know, you have it, it, so for me, imposter syndrome or any kind of negative self-doubt it really comes from your own internal voice right so what is your internal self-talk and what pictures are you creating inside your mind so for me i teach people like when i'm talking to them about the imposter syndrome or if they want healing with that i teach them how to shift in the moment move that picture of themselves away at a distance and then immediately swish in the more confident version of themselves, the version of themselves and vision of themselves that they know to be true, that they deserve to be in that moment and that they deserve every bit of success that they gain. Um, uh, uh, but to loop back to your question, yeah, it's absolutely the imposter syndrome that I've noticed, uh, whether it's people who own, like I deal with, I was talking to a guy today, this is no joke. People sometimes think I'm joking when I say this or that like I'm lying. Like there's enough bullshit artists out there, right? I, I, and, and I'm doing enough just in my own little way, uh, not to have not to have the need to lie. So I was dealing with a guy today. His business about five years ago was worth in or about ten million, something like that. And he was talking to me today. His business is about to be valued at one billion, one billion dollars. I can't even fathom that kind of money, right? So I can't right. fathom the world that he's in. I don't understand right. that world. I can't even figure out how how can a business be worth one billion? Does that mean you're right. like, about to be? become the richest man in the world and he's like no no a billion is not a big deal he's like how can that not be a big deal right you know um but for me um even that person that guy that i was talking to today he suffers from the imposter syndrome and, and like he's telling me he's going into these meetings with like banks or you know lending him money and borrowing and, I, and i'm like okay and then i'm like okay i gotta teach you how to read the room how to restructure but it's fascinating to me that he even needs my help at this moment in time. right at every um, level of we all, the game. we all struggle we struggle with it yeah. and what i tell my clients and how and not only what i tell my clients but what i try to i tell myself when i struggle with it is like hey someone told me a long time ago and this is always 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 stuck with me is that if you're in the room it's because you're supposed to be in the room yeah yeah, yeah. If oh, you're in the room, yeah. it's because you're supposed to be in the room. So remind yourself that number one, number two is basically, uh, you know, another form of what you said, which is you got to qualify yourself. So you go backwards in time, which I have a, a specific signature kind of journaling process that I lead my clients with or uh, through as well. And part of that journaling process is writing like, you know, people always say, you know, write, write what you're, what you're grateful for. So I have my clients also write three things that they're proud of every single day, because that's yep. like the number one thing I feel like we always forget is like, we're always like, so into the future, what's coming next? What do we want to achieve next? What do we want to succeed next? And, and, and we always Number one thing we do is we forget 
all the things that have qualified us to bring us to this moment we're in right now, all the things that we've achieved up until now. And like, those are the easiest, like first things that we just completely forget about. And so you got to yeah, remind I yourself. Great. I think it's great to, yeah, to, to remind people or get them to remind themselves of those proud moments that they've had. Um, but again, that just comes back to mental programming. You know, you got to program your mind every single day. And it's not easy. People so you know, I'm sure you hear it all the time in your world too. Oh, it's easy for you to say that. Well, actually, no, it's not easy for me to say that. You know, I was in a, you mentioned a car accident earlier on. Like I was in a massive car smash back in 2007 where my body was just broke up because of it. Like, so I was five minutes from amputation. My foot was wrapped up around my shin going the wrong way. My knee was broken. My tibia oh, wow. fibia had disintegrated. So the worst possible leg injury you could have, you know. Um, but even in that exact moment, I accepted it. Like right there and then when I looked down and I was in the pain and I was trapped in the car and they were cutting me out with the jaws of life. And I was just like, okay, I got to accept this is a shitty day in my life. But guess this what? This is where we're I'm at right here. now and we're just going to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. And, and if people get themselves into that kind of mindset, it changes everything. Like it changes everything. And again, that doesn't mean that some days I, I don't feel cranky and I don't get cranky. That doesn't mean that some days I don't feel like my energy is right. Um, but I'm okay with that because I know that I will always have more positive days than negative days. I'll always have more productive days than negative days because that's just the way I've programmed myself. So if people can just start to mentally program themselves on a daily basis, you know, your life will change forever and the results then will follow, you know? I love that. And it's programming, you know, we're talking percentages too, right? I say this, I mean, this is like a common thing. It's like you've survived hundred percent of your bad days. So like when you have a shit day, you just remind yourself like, okay, I've, I've been here before. We can do this. So, you know, pep talk to yourself. Like we got this go team, you know, um, yeah. you survived hundred percent of your bad days. And I think, sorry to jump in, but, but I think that yeah. the, there is an issue right now. And, and the issue is this. So I follow like a lot of people on like Instagram and Twitter and whatever. And I follow them for the sole purpose of studying them. Right. So I study these mindset coaches. I study these motivational people. I, and, and, you know, it's very difficult now to figure out what's real versus what's not real, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of these people just know how to break algorithms, truthfully, truth be told, right? So, you know, um, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, when there, there was a whole thing recently about, you know, everyone got to get in on this deal, get in on this deal, get in this deal, non-fungible tokens, NFT, NFT, mm -hmm. NFT. Yeah. You got to go, 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 right? And then everybody did. And then all of a sudden they all realized, whoa, wait a minute, these aren't, what they should be and they're not that valuable all of a sudden then that person came out and was like well you should only put money in if you're willing to lose willing to lose but that was not the story like a week previous right um and it's the same with even mindset coaches uh, like i see a lot of for me now the kind of model online is like you gotta go fucking get what you deserve you gotta go yeah. fucking fuck and i'm like Oh, this is oh. kind of interesting. So that's where we're at right now. It's just like go go the real crash route, right? And uh, and like and these guys, it's mainly like the guys that I'm following, just because that's the, where I'm at. But like they're getting jacked up as they're telling you this, and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is really interesting to me. I think it's because it's very ego driven. It's like if you know, if you want to look like me, do this. If you want to sound like me, do this. If you want to live this life, do this. Like I don't know, you shouldn't really be, uh, you know, trying to be a mindset coach because you think so highly of yourself that you want everyone else to you think everybody else exactly. should want to be like you <laughs> like, exactly for me no you're, a, a successful mindset coach makes you want to be you yeah and it's about sharing techniques that you can use on yourself so i mm -hmm. always say to people truth true like truthfully i'm like 
I learned all this stuff so I can share it with you and you can use it on yourself. Then you don't need to keep coming to me. I don't want to sell you a course for, you know, two years. I want two days with you or two hours with you. Shift your mindset, teach you the tools and techniques, come back to me a month later, see how you're getting on. And then in the hope that I can just let you fly away then and never see you ever again. You know, that's where I come from. And it's like, I believe, I truly believe that all hypnosis is actually self-hypnosis. So I can be your guide for a while. But then after that, you know, are you able to just put that pattern in place, that habit in place every single day to self-actualize, self-visualize, creatively visualize, self-hypnotize, and then just keep that pattern in flow the whole time. Some people struggle, so they need to come back regularly. That's fine. But for me, it is about living an authentic self. And and that's where I'm not, I didn't enter the, the kind of whole crass online world. I just kind of post what I want to post, what I feel like posting, and not what's popular to post, you know? Um, like but that. I'm losing, I'm losing in a numbers game. Like, I'll be honest, like, I don't have big numbers because I don't, I don't enter that world. I'm not trying to be that guy or that girl. Um, you know, and that's where I started post on TikTok there and I, it was growing. And then I was like, really, is this actually me? Like I took a step back for a minute. I kind of, I do this thing where I imagine I'm a drone up above my own head and doing the 360 inside my own brain. Right. And I'm like, what? Uh, I like, I'm kind of past doing like, the card tricks just for the sake of card tricks on TikTok and the fake reactions and the fake smiles. And I know there's magicians out there who couldn't, they literally couldn't walk in here and do a trick like in real life, but they've got like 15 million followers on TikTok and they got the brand deals, but I'd rather not have that. I'd rather just live from the authentic place at all times. And that's where I'm at right now, 45 years of age in my life. Just maintain authenticity at all times and integrity as well. If you could do that, then life be just much easier actually as well, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, I love all of that. And I, I try to do the same. I've been trying to figure out TikTok myself. Cause I'm like, how can I do that? There is a way I know there's a way there to do way. it authentically, no, I, I but I haven't hacked that yet. <laughs> like speaking of hacking, no. like, I haven't figured it out. Cause I, I too, I get on there and I'm like, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And it feels very gimmicky. Um, and so I haven't quite figured it out, but I don't, keep trying here and there when I have time. You know? I think you're right. I think there is a way. I think there is a way, but it, you got to do it the right way is the thing. Yeah. And then yep. if the followers come, they come. And if they don't, they oh, no, don't. They will. They absolutely will come. If you figure, if you find the way that feels authentic to you, they will come without a shadow of doubt. They always do. I, I, I believe that's, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I you're right. That with anything. Yeah. But, but that's why I stopped because I realized the content that I was putting up, um, I was kind of matching the juvenile content that kind of generally is on TikTok. And I'm like, I'm 45 years of age. I don't want to be competing like, with I these can't. kids. They just can't do it. They can't do it. And stuff, you know what I mean? I'm like, I just want to, I, I, like, true, trip told, I just want to go fishing. That's it. I just want to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. I love if it. I could, if I could oh go my fishing gosh. on TikTok forever, that'd be it. I'd be out fly fishing, fishing for salmon, all the rest. You know. I love it. Um, okay, a couple more things. Because um, I, I, I want to be mindful of your time and everybody else at home who's listening. But um, the last thing that I wanted to ask you is, you have redefined the word impossible in a lot of your keynote speeches. Can you j- quickly talk about that? <laughs> sure. So I, I, I give a lot of keynote speeches to multinationals all over the world. So the Amazons, the PayPal's, the Googles, and the list goes on and on and on. And for me... I think a lot of employees, a lot of staff, a lot of people in these positions, they need to understand that actually, you know, you got to start with your mindset with the word impossible. So 
you know, I study words sometimes. That sounds weird, right? So I, I study words. So I studied the word impossible, what it meant. Um, and then I came across a quote by, it was actually Audrey Hepburn, which is where, well, not even a quote, it's where she took the word impossible and split it out and it spells I'm possible. So I looked at that and I was like, okay. And then I was like, yeah, if you redefine the definition of the word in unexpected detrimental moments, or if you redefine that word where we hear it so often, right? So I hear it all the time. That's impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible. And if you listen for it, you'll hear it almost daily in your own lives and your own businesses and whatnot. And immediately I switch my mindset into I'm possible. And then I put down action points in order to achieve whatever that impossible task is. So here's the breakdown out of it in 30 seconds, right? So uh, first of all, if you want to achieve impossible things, whatever that impossible thing is, I don't care what it is. Like, Look at Richard Branson. He just went to space and back. Bezos is going to space and back. Do you think those guys just woke up one day and that that just happened? No. They started. They started by knowing, definitively knowing what their purpose is. Like they know exactly why it is that they're doing those things, right? And actually, truth be told, truth be told, little inside, little inside track thing here now. You know, I don't know either of them, but I'm just going to talk about space exploration in general. You know, the way right now it's tourism generated, right? So they're bringing up tourists, they brought up Shatner, and they're doing all kinds of wonderful mm -hmm. things, whatnot. Trust me when I say this, it's all about bringing the minerals back down. That's not like a, that's not like a cuckoo statement. Science tells us there's a lot of minerals up there. There's money in minerals. They're going to start mining and bring the minerals back down. So that's what's going to happen in about five, 10 years from now, right? It's not, not wow. very well known. But again, I look at that, I go, okay, that's interesting. But more importantly, they had a vision, but the vision came secondary. They had a purpose first. So they know exactly what the purpose is. So when I ask rugby players, badminton players, footballers, I go, what's your purpose? So I catch them off guard. I immediately go, what's your purpose? They go, what, what do you mean? And I'm like, have you never actually thought about this? Why it is that you're in this position right now? Why you're with me? Like I can spit yeah. that out imme immediately. Spit it out straight away. Yeah, you can. No problem. So I'm the same, right? I know exactly yeah. why I'm on stage. I know exactly why I'm a mind coach and so on. So they got to define that. So once you define your purpose, right, then you have to add in massive action. Like not a little bit of action, not a eight hour day, not a 10 hour day. If you're passionate about what you do, first of all, make sure your health is okay. Make sure your family and friends are okay and you're spending enough time with them. Then massive action. Cut out the Netflix, cut out all the bullshit, cut out all the noise. There is time for that stuff. But ultimately, until you make that impossible task possible, everything else goes away until it happens. And then I follow a formula. So once you know your why, and you add in massive action. So W plus MA times ATT equals GS. That's the formula. So W plus MA times ATT equals GS. So once you know your why, and you add in massive action, multiply that mm -hmm. times your attitude, then you are guaranteed success. And that's a bold statement, right? But you're guaranteed success, and you're guaranteed to achieve impossible things and consistently redefine the impossible things. And how do I know that that's a true statement and a true formula? Because everything, everything that I've achieved comes from doing that. And I've had failures, but my failures are far less than my successes. But that's by design. This is what people need to understand. I don't say it that lightly. I don't say that in any way to be facetious like you can do it too you can achieve impossible things too you could all do it um i don't feel like i have a particularly high intellect i don't feel like uh i'm any better than anyone else but i do believe i'm a high achiever 
because I follow structure and I follow formulas uh, in order to get myself to places that people would otherwise see as impossible. Um, and that's where I love to consistently redefine the impossible. I'd set impossible heights for myself. Sometimes I fail, but then I'll regroup. I go back and try a different method to get there. Um, and that's how I approach my keynotes with all of these different companies as well. You know? Wow. I love it. Um, okay. Uh, can we do, is it possible? Can we do a, a quick mind? Can you hack my brain right now? Okay. Well, let's try something. Okay. So okay. I wasn't really expecting this, but look, hang on. Wait, wait, um, yeah. So I've got some, I've got some cards here. Okay. You can see there's nothing on them. I want you, let's do this. I'm going to write something down. I'm going to scribble something down, but I need you to look, look directly into your camera for a second. Okay. Okay. Come a bit closer. Just a little bit closer. Perfect. Okay. Right now, I want you to focus on your very first crush, okay? It doesn't have to be your first kiss, but if it's your first kiss, that'd be good. Your first ever crush, okay? And, okay, uh, I'm going to write something down here. Uh, I think this might be it. Uh, okay, I'm going to do it behind my back so you don't see the way the pen is moving either. Okay, I'm going to finish it off behind my back. I was a little bit scribbled, but I'll get rid of the pen. Done. You can sit back and relax now again. Good. So, uh, when was the last time that you thought about this person? Uh, I don't... Maybe 15 years ago? I don't know. 15 years ago. Okay. Uh, for the first time, name out loud. Just in case they're watching, uh, we won't embarrass you or them. What were their initials? Just their initials. S-M. S as in... Yeah, S-M. Yes? Uh-huh. Look what I wrote there just seconds ago. The initials will be S-M. <laughs> wow. That's insane. Wow. Okay. His name was Steven Mantis and I wrote him a love letter and I sent it in the mail <laughs> and he had red hair. And Steven, if you're watching, if you're watching, Steven, if you're watching or listening to Steven, she's checked your Facebook page too. Just, you know. <laughs> oh my God. It was crazy too. Cause like literally it was like 15 years ago. He found the letter that I wrote him and he like reached out to me and like sent me a picture. It was hilarious. And I had a crush on him and it was so funny. <laughs> um, anyways. Okay. Last well, question for here, you. Here's a quick oh. fun thing before we finish up. Right. So yes. Um, I've got a Rubik's Cube back up there. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. It, it, it's a little blurry, but I think so. No, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up. It's a Rubik's Cube. So okay. there we go. You can see it now. Oh, yeah? yes. Now I can see it. Yep. So there are 43 quintillion variations to a Rubik's Cube. Now, what that really means is if I was to turn the cube one turn per second, that's 60 turns per minute. That's 3,600 turns per hour. That's 86,400 turns per day. So what that really means is, Victoria, if I was to turn that cube one turn per second, since like before time even began, since before like the Big Bang Theory, um, I still wouldn't have turned this 43 quintillion times. That's actually true. I wouldn't have turned it 43 quintillion times. But every cube can be solved in less than 20 moves. So here's the idea. That's pretty well mixed up, but I'm going to keep mixing it until you say stop. Stop. Okay, you happy that that's mixed up? Yep. Okay, it wouldn't matter to me anyway, because I'm not going to try and solve this. You are. Now, do you believe that you can solve that right now? No. I believe you can. You see, we just talked about redefining the impossible. I knew you would say no. You weren't listening, Victoria. You weren't <laughs> listening. You've got to split out the word impossible. And you got to look at that and you go, that looks impossible because there are 43 quintillion variations. But the weirdest thing is that can actually be solved in five moves, five exact moves, and that will be solved. So you're going to solve this. You're going to do it remotely, but you're going to do it quickly. Because if you okay. overthink this, it won't work. Okay? okay, so I'll close my eyes. I'm not technically helping you. Do you want me to start at the top, bottom, front, back, my top. left, my right, or the middle? Uh, clockwise top. or anti-clockwise? Anti-clockwise. How many moves? 
One. Done. Second move. Top, bottom, front, back, left, right, or middle? Uh, your left hand. Forwards or backwards? Forwards. How many? One. Done. Top, bottom, front, back, left, right, or middle? Bottom. Two times clockwise. Two. One, two. Two moves left. Top, bottom, front, back, left, right, or middle? Okay. Your right hand on the side. Yep. And let's go backwards. Two. One. Two. All right. Final move. Top, bottom, front, back, left, right, or middle? Uh, right where your finger is uh, and turn it towards you once. So this way? No, no, no. The other way. On the This way? Go. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Once. Done. 43 quintillion variations in just five moves. You solved nothing. Have you ever solved a Rubik's Cube before? Not yet. <laughs> oh, no, wait. See, what's interesting about this is there's 86 billion neurons in your brain. And pre-conscious processing is the processing of information through your peripheral vision. You might, you might have noticed. You might not have noticed. But back up here, look. There's another cube. There it is. Underneath the jar. I took this one from on top of it. So I'll just take this jar off slowly. Okay. And, okay. Uh, did you even notice that our cube kind of sitting up there? Did you see it sitting up there? I see. Yeah. Yeah, check this out. You're not going to believe this. Look, watch. You matched one side of my what? cube. Yeah, the odds of that happening are one in 43 quintillion times, one in 43 quintillion. But you didn't just match one side. You matched two sides, Victoria. How is that possible? Victoria, you didn't just match two sides. Victoria, you matched three sides. You didn't just match three sides. You matched four sides and five sides and six sides. That's 43 quintillion times, 43 quintillion times. Four... You're an absolute genius. Wow. See, I always knew this about myself. Thank you for confirming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Oh my gosh, so fun. Thank you. Um, okay, last question. That is so cool. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would tell your, your younger self? One piece of like I've never actually thought about that question. One piece of advice I would tell my younger self would be do it all the exact same. People are always thinking that they want to change the past. I don't want to change the past. I've got been through some harsh times, really harsh times, uh, you know, and I think just do it all the same because I think I had great parenting. I learned through failure, through difficult times. And I think that's required in order to make a fully rounded uh, adult. So for me, I do it all the same. I love that answer. Amazing answer. All right, Keith Barry, you were freaking awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate <laughs> you, you uh, for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and just being a just a cool guy. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Keep doing your thing. Cheers. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. I hope that you just enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I was on the edge of my seat. I feel like the entire time there's so much that we can learn from him. And it's just a true testament to like the reason that I do this podcast is because I am obsessed, obsessed with our mindset, with understanding that we have so much power within us. We have so much power that we get to create day by day the life that we want to live. We get to create this thing. We get to wake up and design the life that we want to live, create the life that we want to live. And it's understanding that most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, if you're not liking the things that are happening in front of you, you have the power to change it through your mindset. And so, you know, it's like on this podcast, I've talked to so many different people from so many different walks of life. And, and the underlying thing under everything is that your mind controls everything that you do. And so, you know, now we've gone down this like, you know, crazy, you know, I said wormhole during the episode, but really I should have said like rabbit hole considering magician, rabbit, get it, but I'll ching. See what I did there. Um, 
But anyways, like if a magician and a hypnotist is also, you know, speaking this same truth about how important our mindset is, then like you cannot convince me that it's not everything. It's everything. It's everything. Um, So I hope we got a little bit closer today. Uh, I hope you, you know, also harness the power of your own mind because it's always going to be what this is about. I mean, it's just you finding your power and me finding my power and, and, you know, as he was saying on the episode about connecting to your purpose, right? And your mission statement. And, and so mine has been for such a long time now, finding stronger versions of who we already are together. And that's what this is. And it's what's always been. And it's what it's always going to be. And it is what very best self, whether it's the podcast or life coaching or, you know, just the VB squad, everything that I do is about you connecting to a stronger version of who you already are and knowing that you're not alone in doing that. We're going to do it together. Please enjoy today's episode. You guys, please, please, please share this with someone you love. Share it with someone you love. That's how this thing is going to grow legs and just take off and become whatever it's supposed to be. But please share it, write a review, make sure that you're subscribed, uh, give us five stars. We always appreciate that. Uh, follow the pod handle at very best self. Follow me at Victoria Brown. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for today. So uh, love you, mean it. VB out. <laughs>